So, um, I'm going to ask the question, um, do crypto airdrops, what they call an airdrop, um, does that violate securities laws? And, um, I was, I was talking to a guy and, um, he suggested no. And he even suggested that, you know, if you created like a proof of work token, that you could be, you might even be liable because you're asking people to do free work for you, even though the concept around proof of work is in fact um, voluntary, right? Proof of work is voluntary. But the argument um, was if I was going to launch a new crypto, would I want to do one that involved proof of work or involved an airdrop? Like what would protect me more legally? And... um, I think there was a lawyer at the table, but I'm not sure. But the 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 idea was that airdrops are not securities because um, I think the argument was, what are you selling? And um, uh, so 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 if you're not selling anything, in theory, right? If you're airdropping, it means that you are basically creating a new token and giving it to certain people. In the crypto universe, this is like an airdrop. So it's usually some kind of like um, promotional event, right? Where you create a new cryptocurrency and to get to sort of bootstrap a user base, you want to uh, to bootstrap a, bootstrap a user base. Um, you kind of want to just distribute it, right? That's often what it's, what it's used for. Um, in my opinion, if you are not selling something, it's not a security because the whole, the whole like phrase of, did you offer a security? The, if the SEC is going to rule something, some crypto asset is a security, they're going to look at who sold it. If you are technically giving it away for free, does that get, does that um, give you a free pass? Well, not completely. So if you create a token, and you airdrop it. Usually you're not going to airdrop it to anybody who comes knocking. You're going to be very specific about who you airdrop it to. Maybe it's going to be any holder of Bitcoin, you know, at a certain date in time or any holder of, I believe the Luna 2 token was only, was airdropped to people who had Luna 1 at some certain time period. Uh, So there's going to be some discrimination in who gets the token. Um, And so even if you give it, even if you are giving it away, there's some, um, there's some amount of, um, let's just say, um, work that goes involved in getting the free token, because oftentimes you have to like, um, you know, buy, have, you know, be an owner of Bitcoin or do whatever they want you to do. Maybe you have to even give them your email or have to, you know, how much is that worth? So maybe there's no, Maybe there's an easy way to say, hey, if you're a Bitcoin holder here, you could say, oh, okay, I'll look up the price of Bitcoin. And if I had Bitcoin, in theory, uh, what was the price that day? Okay, well, this is how much, right? How much it cost to buy the Bitcoin that day. Maybe in theory, you could say, well, that is what I sort of had to had to have, like the amount of work I had to have. But that didn't, but that didn't go to the issuer, right? If I airdrop something for free to someone and just say, well, they have to have Bitcoin on a certain date. Technically, they had to have the Bitcoin, so it's discriminatory, but I never gave that that money that I 
that I paid to get that Bitcoin right to the issuer. So that's not a security in the SEC's mind either. So the discrimination part in my mind doesn't matter. And I'm, I'm just thinking about this off the cuff here, but I'm going to, I'm going to uh, get to a point that does matter here and, and with airdrop. So if you are an issuer of an airdrop, you're giving stuff away for free. Let's just say everybody who has Bitcoin on a certain date. Now, what happens? Well, eventually this stuff gets a price. It gets a tr- it gets on an exchange, right? That's what everybody cares about is, hey, I, you could airdrop tokens all day, right? But if, if it's a dime a dozen, I mean, it has to get on an exchange. It has to have some value for people to care. Otherwise, you could, you could airdrop, you know, this, this does happen, like where people just send you tokens. They know your address or in theory, they could get a list of, of whale addresses. They could send you this, this token. Um, if you're, you know, if you're playing, uh, well, I don't know the specifics of that, but I do know that say, say, um, the Bitcoin cash fork, right? Essentially. So this was a fork instead of an airdrop. Airdrops are usually used for, I guess, tokens in Ethereum, I think. But it's this, almost the same concept where Bitcoin Cash was forked at a moment in time. And it's, an, it's almost like an automatic airdrop because if you fork a chain automatically sort of in time, every, you share a common history, just like some, certain religions. Um, and I'm not religious, but I believe this is the case where you know Christianity, uh, Islam, and, and uh, Judaism, they, they actually share some some early, early history, right? And then they diverge. Well, same thing with the blockchain. If it forks, it shares the same history. It's the same thing, and then it forks. So technically, the people who had Bitcoin before the Bitcoin Cash fork also got the Bitcoin Cash. So it's kind of like an automatic airdrop, you could say. But I guess the two terms are, well, they they describe very different mechanisms, right, of a new issuance of a new asset. But they are alike in that you get this thing for free if you happen to be, you know, in a certain group or you happen to have just hold, held Bitcoin, you can get this Bitcoin cash for free at the moment in time if you if you held Bitcoin at the moment in time that it did indeed fork. So um, so who is the issuer of Bitcoin cash? Right? Who is the issuer of Bitcoin cash? You're you're not really selling anything to anybody. You're just you're just allowing the people that had Bitcoin previously at a moment in time to also have Bitcoin cash. Well, again, at the moment in time it's created an airdrop or fork, I don't think it's really a security. But what happens when this thing trades? What happens when this thing gets listed and has a price, right? People, people care about airdrops, perhaps even forks, to the extent that they have a price and they're trading on an exchange, right? Somebody could airdrop me something and if it never gets listed on an exchange, if it's, if it's worth zero in price, I don't really care, right? I can't do anything about it. I can't sell it to, to acquire the game. My cost basis would be zero because I got it for free, but I can't sell it if it has no price and it's not trading. But what if it is, right? But what if it is and what if it basically is listed and has a trading price almost the moment that I that I get the airdrop. And I think we could study Luna too, because I'm pretty sure what happened here, and I don't know how they, you know, how they actually came up with a price for this thing. I'm I'm guessing it has to do with some kind of market makers 
market making, right? And, and basically market makers make money, uh, they buy and sell. And so they can sort of just arbitrarily price this thing. I think most of these crypto assets initially at least get arbitrarily priced. I mean, I don't know how that process works, but I'm just speculating. But what if like Luna 2, you get an airdrop and it's immediately trading? You get the thing for free, but it has a price. So you're not, um, you got it for free and you're not having to give the issue or anything, right? But you just got this thing for free and now the, the incentive is, is there, right? To go and sell it for whatever it's trading for. Because you got this thing for free. Who knows if it's going to stay there, right? So in my mind, I'd be, you know, I'd be getting out pretty quick, right? Depending on the token that it was airdropped to me. And, you know, if it had, had a price, <laughs> I'd be probably just hitting the the bid, right? I'd just be selling it on the bid um, to anybody who who would be a willing buyer. But but should you worry that you're that you're doing that? Because you know, I'm just I'm just throwing ideas out here. I just thought about this, but I'm trying to tie it into my philosophy of if you create a cryptocurrency, you really don't have to worry about issuing a security, right? Until you sell it, until you you actually sell it and exchange this token that you got, you know, either for free, you know, or if you were the creator of it until you're actually offering it up in the market, right. For sale. And it makes me wonder if the people who get the airdrop right for free, and then they go and sell it on an exchange, you know, are they, are they the issuer of this security? Are they the ones that are offering it for for sale, you know, because airdrops are kind of a way to distribute or um, bootstrap sort of decentralization. Because the one thing that proof of work does well is that it incentivizes, you know, people to mine other people that didn't even create the token, right? But they just like the protocol. They like the project. It incentivizes them to mine the crypto. So you have um, um sort of other people coming in. And if it's not centralized, it's decentralized. Well, then who who are the sellers of this thing? Well, it's all the people who initially sell it into the market. And the SEC tends to only care about, in my, in my opinion, the initial seller of the token. Who was that, right? Who was that? Um, was it one person, right? And, and this is this is sort of a black and white. And this is where I think most crypto people understand this. If you create a new token and you offer it for sale, uh, you're the only one offering it for sale and you collect either real dollars or a real token, another token, right, that's trading in the market that has some price. So you could say that it has some value, you know, just convert it to what the dollars, um, basically it's price, right? So convert it to dollar price. And then that's basically what you're handing over to anybody who you might give that to in exchange for this new token. That's clear as day security, really, right? Because it's one issuer, they created it, they're selling it into the market, and they're getting something of value in return. And oftentimes they're, you know, to, in order to, to get uh, something of real value in return for their new token, they have to at least talk about their token, what it does, sort of, um, you know, maybe they don't have to promote it in a way that would, would annoy the SEC, but they have to talk about their token and why you should be sort of giving real, real value to them for this new thing, right? For this new thing that they've created and that they, you're buying. Well, why, why on earth should I buy this? Is it going to go up? Is it going to be stable? 
I mean, are more people going to come in later? So this is the promotion of this thing. This is basically an implicit promise. Yeah, we'll keep running it. We're not going to rug pull you. Uh, we're going to keep this project going. There's all this interest. So what you talk, how you talk about your token too, uh, is another piece of evidence sort of that the SEC will look at, in my opinion, uh, when they're trying to determine what implicit promises are you making, right? And, and um, I think the key is to remember, the best way I think to just be, be wary of it is that if you're handing over real money or if you're handing over like ETH, right, that can be easily converted into real money, right, because it has a trading price and it's, it's liquid, then you're, you're, if you're handing over this real money for a new token, basically the person that's selling it to you might be accused, might, right, might be accused of offering you security. But the question is, is who is the first person to sell it, right? Was it the person who created the token and gave it out for free? Well, not really, because they're giving it out for free. If you were the one that got it in an airdrop, and then you sell it. You're the first one to sell it into the market. Is Are you the issuer? Are you now part of this, right, where this, you're one of many probably that are selling this new asset into the market and for the first time? Uh, it's an interesting question. I mean, this is the concept of an airdrop. and but it's, But if you think about it like this, it's very similar to something like a proof of work token that you know, how, when is this proof of work token like Bitcoin first sold into the market? Well, it has to be mined. So you have a new token that's, that's mined and then uh, a miner decides if they want to sell it or not. And if they, if they decide to sell it, this is the first time this token is being sold. Now I get it. It's one of many Bitcoins, right? There's it's one of, you know, potentially 21 million and they're all supposed to be fungible and there's no, there's no recognized creator at least from the SEC's uh, point of view. So could you argue that there's many, many, many creators or issuers of the token? Um, I don't know. But in theory, the person who creates it is basically the miner because they, they do proof of work and through the protocol, they get rewarded the new Bitcoin. So the, I, th- I believe the protocol is, is, is technically creating the token um, and assigning it to a miner. Uh, so they're voluntarily running this code to participate in the proof of work protocol. They eventually get rewarded a token, but um, it's not really a security in my mind until it's sold or it, it doesn't have the potential to be a security. I should say until it's sold. If a miner never sold their, to- their crypto, their Bitcoin, it's never, they're never offering any security because they're never really selling it. Um, but other miners who do sell it potentially could be, you know, offering securities. Um, but the airdrop thing, it might be a really good loophole. Like it might actually, it might be better than I, I thought it was because you're not selling anything yet. You're distributing your token. So you have to think of how do you distribute your token where you're not going to look like an ICO, you're not going to look like you're promoting it, you're not going to look like you're, um, um, well, you definitely don't look like you're selling it because uh, because you're offering it for free in an airdrop, potentially. Um, so you also have to figure out, well, how do I get this thing trading? How do I figure out a market price for that? And I'm sure 
people that know a lot more about listing and, and exchanges than I do have that all figured out, right? Know how to do that. Um, but I, but you know, so so offering securities involves several things, in my opinion. You know, the promotion of it, the selling of it to someone for for something real. Um, and if, if you, if you're missing any one of these sort of key ingredients, um, you know, maybe you can get around securities laws because the main, the main, I'd say the very, the very main point of securities laws is actually the offer. So meaning selling something, right? In exchange. And I think, you know, when I was first learning about how securities laws sort of applied to crypto and, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I like, I like learning about the law, um, I was thinking, well, okay, people are, people are really putting an emphasis on sort of decentralization and like the proof of work mining and, um, the fact that like there wasn't just an issuer. So like with Tether, there's a direct issuer. We know who everyone knows who it is. Tether is the only, only entity that's allowed to sell Tether, right? To create Tether, new Tethers and sell them into the market. They're the only people that do that uh, for their one protocol, right? So. Um, we know who the issuer is and that that would be easy for the SEC to say you're the issuer. It's obvious. And you're, you're exchanging this new token called Tether for dollars. Um, now in my mind, that's a security. Other people will argue, well, you're not investing for profit. So, you know, it doesn't, you know, you're not really investing, quote unquote investing. But in my opinion, you're also, you don't want to lose money. So, and there's this implicit promise that Tether's making to people that like you can redeem this for the dollars that they have on their books. I know not everybody, but definitely for the customers that they initially sell these to. And I've also wondered and pondered in my mind, well, if Tether doesn't really um, accept anyone who brings a Tether token to them to redeem, technically they only allow their, their certain customers to, and they also only issue these to certain customers, right? That they know the KYC and, and, um, that basically they know, but then these things get in the hands of other people. These things end up on Kraken. They end up all over the world, right? Because it's peer-to-peer blockchain. But yet, if you if you get this thing and you buy it like off an exchange like Kraken, you have no rights with Tether because you're not their customer. You got this thing from someone else. But does that? But but so since I have a, so there's different rights um, that you have. If you're a tether holder, depending on your relationship with the issuer. So isn't that weird that this same tether token, um, it's supposedly supposed to be fungible, right? They're supposed to all be alike. Um, but yet we see, we will see like tether, um, if, if there's like a hacker, a really bad hack, they might like, um, try to, try to just burn those coins or something. I've seen that happen in the past where they'll try to burn the coins and, and help the, the, um, entity that got supposedly hacked. Um, so they're definitely in control, but it's funny that they'll allow this thing to trade, right? Cause they don't know who's really buying it. Uh, they don't know who owns which address on the blockchain, but it's funny that it's supposed to be fungible. They all trade on, on, you know, Kraken, like they're all the same, but yet whoever buys it, depending on who buys this asset called Tether on, on Kraken, uh, has very different rights than someone right from from other customers because only certain customers can go redeem the tether at tether itself. Everyone else is is has um they're they're in a bad position, right? Because I can only go to Kraken and try to to 
trade it for dollars or trade it for something else. And that means that I'm at a disadvantage because I can never um, exploit like the, the price difference between tether and a dollar. I can never arbitrage that. And I also, if the, anything happens to these U.S. exchanges, right, because I'm in the U.S., in theory, I'm out of luck. Like, I, I can't go to the issuer. So I don't know what um, what the SEC thinks about that. But in my mind, it's almost like if there's a difference in the product, if there's a difference in the product between who gets it, it's almost like when it goes on to Kraken, right, a U.S. exchange, and it's sold to, like, retail people, it's almost like they're issuing a different asset because it's different in kind. It's different in, in the fact that there's now um, different rights depending on who you are. But is that necessarily tether the issuer's fault? Maybe it's not. Maybe I. Maybe you could blame the person who's listing it um, that, or selling it to you where you're not a customer of tether. But I don't know legally what even that, that would be. Um, but it's just it's just some some weird rule that it acts like a, this bearer instrument where you can give it to anybody without any permission, right? Because it exists on the blockchain. You can technically send it to anybody, but technically when you send it to somebody who's not a customer of, 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 of tether themselves, the issuer, you don't have these rights. And I do think if this is being sold to you as a product, right? And I think the nature of what tether is, is a security anyway, since they're making promises, not even implicit, right? I usually talk about implicit promises from a blockchain's perspective, like from, from a decentralized blockchain's perspective. But this is an explicit promise where they're allowing some people to convert the Tether token for a real dollar with them directly, right? But they, but they um, of course, they don't allow everyone to do so. And actually, every stablecoin issuer, even the ones in the U.S., like USDC, uh, have the same rules. You would think that, oh, Tether is a one-off because they're, you know, they exist outside the U.S. regulatory environment, um, or at least they're headquartered out there. Well, that's actually, or at least their, their Tether backing, right, is, is outside the U.S. They always say that. Their banking relationships are outside the U.S., but the same principle applies to um, Circles USDC. They only allow some select customers to actually redeem it directly with them. You know the te- the token for the um, you know token for the actual dollar. You know I, I think that they do this for cost reasons. They'd have to basically KYC anybody that came to them uh, that that presented this supposedly quote unquote bearer asset and exchange it for a dollar. And they're not a bank, right? They're not, well, you know, they use banks, I think, to hold the dollars, but they don't, but they, this bank only interfaces with like circle the company, right? They don't want to open up. um, They don't have a relationship that says that you owe, just because you own circle, right? Own a circle, sorry, own a, own a USDC, you don't have a relationship with that bank. So in theory, they could like KYC you on the fly, but I think it would just be so expensive um, to, for them to, to even think about doing that. But in theory, you know, the regulators want to pass all these rules that mandate, right, that they have the backing of, of stable coins because they, they want to make stable coins more secure. 
but they, but are they going to mandate that they also um, uh, redeem for any, anyone who holds the token? I, ideally I'd like to see that, but that's sort of a fantasy. I think, I don't think they can really legislate that. Uh, or at least I don't think it's, I don't think like in the real world it'd be possible, but in theory, that would be the best, best idea. Uh, maybe they should legislate that um, the customers of Circle that get to redeem directly at USDC for a dollar, that they like have to provide a market for everyone else. And, but then you're just pushing it downstream. You're pushing the idea that anyone can redeem just uh, not, not directly at, you know, USDC headquarters, just at their, their, their privileged customers. Um, and then separating out maybe the, you know, who they have to redeem, but see how the logic doesn't work here. So in my opinion, if you can't have potentially anyone redeeming this stuff, um, you always have this trust model and you always are giving up an advantage to somebody else who can arbitrage this um, spread away where you can't, right? And, and you're more limited if, if any of these exchanges go down because technically as a retail customer, you have to just go to an exchange and hope and pray that they let you, that there's even enough dollar liquidity right on these exchanges and that the peg is holding at the time that you want out or else you're out of luck, right? You just have to take the, the price that it's trading at, which it could be off its peg. It could be, it could be lower than a dollar. Um, so I think that these things are going to be extremely hard to regulate, but I forgot. Oh, so I, was, I got on this tangent, but I was talking about airdrops and, and um, whether those are securities or not. Um, I think that you just have to be really careful when you, not when you create the token, right? I think that people are even worried to even experiment, not when you create the token, um, but when um, you directly are selling it, right? So, so maybe you give some to your friends and they mine it or they just get some somehow through you. You don't even have to worry about that, I don't think. You have to worry about when you sell um, a large chunk of it, I think, personally, and maybe you have to worry about when it starts trading, like when other people start selling it, because if you are the issue, sorry, if you, you are the creator of it, um, they may, they may try to pin it. Oh, this is your asset. You created it and it depends on you. This idea of it, this, this is another part of the securities laws. How much of, um, this new crypto token depends on your, your influence or your work, right? Um, but, Another part of the selling of the crypto, so in, implicit in like that you sell this token, why are people buying it again? They want, they want like a return. They want a return. And typically um, in an investment like a stock, now maybe not so much today, but um, in the past, like you were rewarded with dividends, right? So you were rewarded when the business grew, made money. Uh, there are profits to share and your shareholders, you get, so you're entitled to some of this um, profit stream. Um, and usually it was in the, in the, in the, um, in the form of dividend payments, like basically cash payments every quarter to you uh, at whatever rate they set. And well, what, um, you know, a lot of companies don't have dividends. Well, they intend to reward their shareholders through another mechanism. And often that is through stock appreciation, right? So, but, so 
the stock can go up on its own, or even the company can buy the stock back, right? Buy, if you if you have a stock buyback, um, that'll um, reduce basically the supply um, of stock. So how can a, a investor make money? Well, either through dividend payments on a stock, through appreciation of the stock if they sell, and appreciation of the stock can happen through just the market in general valuing the company higher because it's maybe prof- more profitable or they're having more, more, um, you know, they're able to basically uh, generate more profits and that en- enables them and actually, well, this enables them to pay their shareholders, right? Give them some of the, of the profits. Um, and I'm wondering now, like, I know that a company doesn't have to have a dividend, and I know that technically, like a company is supposed to share in the profits, but a stock, how is a stock priced? It's priced based off of like, well, t- typically it's, you know, supply and demand, but there's certain valuation formulas for a stock, like fundamental value, like fundamentals. And they try to value out, value, um, you know, the, the present day value, you know, discounted, right? Uh, based off of future, future cash flows that are discounted to the present. So they, they try to value this, this, what this company's worth. But in theory, the stock could be, you know, basically it's, it could be sentiment run. It could be people are very, um, 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 I guess. So what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say and not very well is that, um, a company that is that basically, uh, when you buy a stock, you're entitled to share in the profits. But I don't think the law says how you have to distribute profits. So in theory, if the stock price goes up, that should represent increased profitability of the company in general because that's what it's worth into the future. So it's like a sort of a natural mechanism that people people will. Um, just, I guess, naturally do in the market. I think that's the fundamental of it. So what I'm trying to do is compare this to crypto and say, well, if crypto doesn't have dividends, now some cryptos do, and those look more like securities than not. But some cryptos, uh, most cryptos don't have like any kind of dividend payment. So how are they rewarding share, like, sorry, how are they rewarding people that own the token? Well, it's usually assumed that the price is going to go up. And a lot of people will compare that to like, uh, I don't know, Tesla stock or something, uh, like a high flyer, right? That just goes up in price or is assuming to go up in highest price. Um, so, um, so the point is, is like, even if a crypto isn't giving a dividend, an explicit dividend payment, in theory, most people are buying it because the price is assumed to appreciate. So I think the SEC would look at why are people buying this? They're assuming the price is just going to go up. And, um, and that looks very much like a security. And the way that they market most cryptos are basically, this is an investment. Uh, you should put it in your retirement account. And I actually think the language around how most people talk about cryptos and like what it's what people are doing when they're buying it you know and all the conferences that people have 
you know, and who shows up? All these, you know, financial players, all these institutions. So in my mind, it actually makes more sense to look at, like, on the whole, if something is a security, you have to look at everything. You have to look at mainly probably uh, if who's selling it and, and what for um, and uh, what implicit promises they're making to people who are buying it. Why are people buying it? If it's really just for a utility, then it's not, they're not buying it for an investment. So you can write that off. I think you can tell the difference between the two really easily. And to the extent that like Bitcoin, people buy it for an investment. Some people buy it for utility. Well, the, the, the investment part wins, right? Because if some people are buying it for speculation, then it sort of uh, will taint the whole token, really, because I, that, that's just how I feel. Uh, maybe not um, realistically. But um, but I think people are, are looking, I think people in the crypto industry look at like the technical details of it. How was it created? How was it airdropped? How was it sold? Um, and most people actually aren't even looking at how it was sold. Um, but they're looking at the specifics of it. Is it decentralized enough? Um, is there a vibrant decentralized community around this? Uh, is there any one actor that is like sort of the make or break person for this ass- for this new token? Uh, you know, so they're looking at these kind of s- specifics. Is it proof of stake? Is it proof of work? Um, but they're not really looking at like the whole, the whole picture of why are people even buying this? Like, why are you selling it? Why are people buying it? What is it? Does it even represent anything? Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, the airdrops, I think, um, back to the airdrops, like, so you're not going to, the problem with airdrops as a token creator is if you just give it all away, or if you give a large portion of it away, you're not going to make any money from that, right? Cause, cause you don't, you don't have it in your control anymore. So while some people, um, like to airdrop for just getting it around, right? Um, other, most creators probably don't really want to airdrop just the token. And I, I know this is sort of a, maybe a concept from 2018 or so, but I think more, more projects probably they're doing DeFi stuff where they, they encourage, um, encourage you to, to bring assets to their project and you get this token or whatever. Um, and it's sort of given to you for free, but it's not really given to you for free in theory because you have to like put your, your other, your ETH or whatever with their project. Um, and even if you get that back, um, eventually, uh, yeah, you're still sort of giving that over to the pro- to the protocol, at least for the time being, I think. So I don't know what that would be, but it's 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 really complicated now with all these DeFi projects out there. Um, so I don't I don't know much about the details of of De- DeFi and, and whether you're really getting airdrops or not, or whether you're having to like put your ETH somewhere just to get you know or whatever token you you can come up with just to get some extra token. <laughs> but the governance tokens sort of look a lot like airdrops in a way because although they're rewarding you again for for loyalty to the project for either putting stuff in their liquidity pool or whatever um even though so it looks like it's for free but it's kind of not because you have to do stuff Uh, but i guess the same logic applies if you don't actually give these tokens that you put in the liquidity pool directly to the issuer because if you, you you eventually can take them out right uh then is it really that you're giving them over to the protocol you know, I guess not, right? You know, I guess not. Um, but those projects have other issues because if you're 
putting putting tokens in a liquidity pool and you're getting fees on that that's and that's a that's a pool right that's called a pool for a reason they're pooling risk and uh so this project is sort of on the hook for <laughs> offering a security called you can put it put your tokens in our liquidity pool uh that provides some kind of automated market maker thing people people will pay you a fee to buy and sell uh but but basically you could be there could be a hack there could be any kind of risk that is associated with that there are basically offering sort of an investment pool and that by nature is the definition of a security. So I wasn't really talking about DeFi when I was at first talking about airdrops, talking about sort of what people thought about in, I don't know, like a few years ago, maybe to 2019. I don't know if airdrops are even still very popular. Like maybe the term has just sort of been um, out. Maybe it's an outdated term. I don't know. But um yeah, so an airdrop might get you, if you if you give the token away for free, it might give, get you around initially because you're not the seller. But then eventually, like to make any money money off the project, you're not you're in theory not airdropping all the tokens. You're eventually going to be selling some of them, right? So, and if I if I believe that the SEC is looking at well who's selling it for something, that's the main main thing they're going to look at, right? It, uh, and you are the creator of it. Well, then you're you're not really being benefited from the airdrop <laughs> itself. Uh, so I've come full circle here, but no, that was just some random, that was just my random thoughts about airdrops and securities laws. And um, I see I have an, a listener. If you have any thoughts or questions or challenges, feel free to call in. Um, If not, um, if not, I probably will end it here since I don't really have anything else to say. Thanks.